back to Educate Ebony, the prog edition. I'm your host, Ebony. If you are just tuning in now, welcome. If you are a repeat listener, thanks. Love to have you. Anyway, last week I spoke to, and I'm going to fortify myself before I say his last name, John T. Trickvitsky. I'm really sorry, John T., if I say that wrong. Still, I have not had enough practice. But we had a great chat. It was good to catch up with him back from my music journal days in Adelaide. Uh, He told me to listen to Crack the Sky by Mastodon and to listen to it in the lounge, get all cosy, light some candles and just vibe out to this album. And I have to say, it was a really comfortable album. I don't know how else to explain it. And I'll speak of it as a whole because I don't think I can speak to it track to track just yet. I know that I guess some prog albums or Some bands, I guess, can come across as maybe a bit pretentious with the way they approach their songwriting and it's just so intricate and so detailed and really hard to follow, maybe. But yeah, not this one. I loved it. I mean, had clean vocals, thought they were great, sounded a little bit like um, 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 the Interpol singer. I don't know his name, but maybe there's some sort of quality and they both sound slightly similar. I don't know if it's their range or if it's, I don't really know, are they both from America somewhere? Who knows? But they sort of have a similar sound a little bit. So immediately it was already like a little bit familiar or, you know, I've heard of it before somehow, somewhere. But I really liked the album. It was very comfortable, very easy to listen to. Just good, honest music. You know, if I can liken that to anything else, it's like a good pumpkin soup with crusty white bread in the winter. How's that for a visual? Anyway, so yeah, thanks, Jonty. That was great. I will definitely be listening to that one again. But... Let's get to this episode. If you haven't already, come find me on socials at Educate Ebony, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I post some stuff there. You might like it to know. Go find out. Let's move forward. This is also another great chat. Yeah. For this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I'd love to introduce Michael Tronson. He is one fourth of a new prog band we're obsessed with over at Wall of Sound. Voice Among the Many are set to release their debut album, White Palace, on Friday the 14th of October, which is literally in a couple days' time. So let's find out a little bit more about them and the one prog album we should hear. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ebony. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so stoked to be here. This is great. Oh, I'm so glad. But I feel like surely, you know, obviously you're stoked to be here because this is a great time, but you're also stoked because your album's coming out super soon. This has been like years in the making, right? Who told you that? <laughs> well, I read the That's... interview at Wall of Sound. <laughs> that, is, um, that is very correct. It has been a long time coming. I don't know if I should say this, but the original deadline for this album, I'm not even kidding, was like 2019. Oh, and are you serious? Yeah, and then, and then writing for about a year before then as well. And it's it's just been postponed so many times. And the list is so long, the reasons it was postponed, COVID and lockdown only being one of them. Like there were so many other factors. And to finally get to the point where we're at now, we're just over a week away from releasing it. It's like, I actually can't believe it. Like, you know, um, a few weeks ago, we finally, you know, uploaded this stuff to the internet. And I was just like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Take it so long. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Obviously, I've never produced or written an album or anything like that. But I, I imagine it's a huge, huge task from everything I've heard. Is there something that you're most proud of aside from like getting through all the struggles and, and finally getting to this point? Most proud of? I mean, just finishing, I suppose, is 
is much more difficult than people realize you know there's there's that old saying which is like you know art is never finished it is abandoned you know and you can work you can work on this stuff forever really and you know like i mentioned before it was postponed so many times every single time it got pushed back it was a blessing in disguise and i'm so lucky for those things to have happened um you know we had like scheduling conflicts and then lockdown and then i was like in the middle of guitars and i broke my arm and so we had to stop for six weeks and like it's just really silly things but every single time one of those events would occur it was like i was gifted extra time to work on it and sit back and listen and make changes and when i think about the album that may have been released in 2019 compared to the one we're about to release next week i'm just like so over the moon like i'm so it's just so much better than it would have been back then you know and maybe i'm a bit biased like you know i'm sure people would have liked it if it did come out then but i'm just so happy for that extra time and yeah just to get to the end and just to finish is such an accomplishment i really didn't feel it until i just clicked that upload button and i was like oh my goodness gracious like that's that was the finish line really it's not even it coming out like that's not the finish line that's like <laughs> i'm 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 already happy with it you know so whatever happens next is a bonus which is gonna be good that's so good to hear but i do want to ask as well i don't have the track listing in front of me but is there a certain song that you're like you should definitely definitely get into this one obviously listen to the whole thing but definitely watch out for this track what's your oh your baby your off, fave, off my if you can. off my own album oh my god yeah Oh my goodness. Well, the song we've just released uh, a video for, which is called Matter, um, I'm not just talking about it for a shameless plug. That's a song I'm particularly proud of, I suppose, because it was, it took the longest to do and it was the very last one that was finished. And it was something I was so certain for a long time would end up on the cutting room floor and maybe replaced or something like that, because it just took ages to get it right. And, um, the fact that it actually came together in the end, uh, I was just so stoked with it. And I'm really, really proud of that song. And, and that's why we released it as a single, because I just really wanted everyone to hear it. Because in my opinion, it's something a bit different. You know, it has this kind of a weird arrangement and it's sort of in these two halves. And I'm just really proud of that one. And I'm stoked that uh, the rest of the guys thought it would be a good idea for a single as well. I put a lot of my personality into that song and just super stoked with it. Um, but if I had to pick one that maybe people haven't heard yet, um, there's a song, I think it's track eight, second to last song, which is called Where We Belong. That's a big, epic, beautiful piece of music that is sort of like the conclusion to the album. And um, I'm really stoked for people to hear that. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. And since we are talking about prog, obviously, you being in a prog band, when did you start getting into the genre? I know it can be like a little bit of a windy road. Like, you know, you just sort of fall into it and you're like, oh, I guess I'm here now. But like, what was your journey with prog? Definitely was a windy road. Well, like I, getting into like alternative music and rock when I was really young. So the the singer of our, our band, um, Mark, is my brother. Um, and we, we shared a wall together growing up. And I was very, very blessed that he had such great taste in music. Like I got a chance to listen to things like Tool very early on. Um, Deftones, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Incubus, like that kind of stuff. Tool's probably the only like true prog band out of that out of that lot, you know. But um, all the other bands very experimental, and that helped me a lot in my sort of musical journey. And from that, it kind of got me. I went on a big tangent and was into a bunch of metal music. That was sort of like finding my own thing with music for a while. 
But prog didn't really find me as something I was passionate about until much later, probably around 2009. The only big day out festival I ever went to, I think was 2009. And I, uh, I think Muse headlined that one. I can't remember. Um, there were some really good bands in that lineup. And I remember Mark uh, wasn't able to go that year. And I remember talking to him and he was just like, I could tell he had the timetable in front of him. And he was just like, who are you going to go see at 1.30 p.m.? And I didn't have, didn't have anything lined up. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to go see Passion Pit because that's the only uh, act that I've heard of. I think they're an electronic band or something, you know, I'm keen. And he's like, don't do that. He's like, go and watch Carnival. And yes. yeah, exactly. And I, he was like, they played on the main stage at 1.30 p.m. to fucking nobody. Like it was the biggest travesty. The crowd was about two rows deep and I just walked to the front and like, I just had one of the greatest musical experiences of my life. Like finding out about this band literally the night before, then having the chance to go and see them. And then now having them be such an influential part of what I do, man, it was, it was crazy. And I, I think about that time, like, cause they're so huge now. And I think back to like, I was like, I just walked to the front of the crowd, the front of the stage. It was easy. Like, it shouldn't be that easy to see this band. <laughs> but yeah, that was the band that really sort of opened the gateway to me. And then from then on, got pretty heavily into like a lot of progressive metal bands like Periphery and Tesseract and Monuments and things like that. And that, that, that's been me for the last like probably decade or so has been getting really heavily into that. And only now I'm sort of scaling back and getting a bit more into traditional songwriting and things like that. But um, all of those sort of sonics from those bands are, are still very much part of my DNA as a songwriter and what we do with um, Voice Among the Many. Cool. I like that. Well, I'm interested to know now. Well, not that I wasn't interested before, but what is the one <laughs> prog album that, uh, that I should hear? Well, I picked a bit of a curveball, but I think it's an important album that people really need to listen to, especially mm. you, if you haven't okay. already. I picked an album called Define the Great Line, which is by a band called Under Oath. Okay, so then why this album? I picked this album because I think, when I think about progressive music, I feel like in today's world, it's a little bit lost on the artists who are part of it. I feel like, this, is my, this might be a bit of a hot take, but I, I feel like now there's a lot of, we already know what the DNA of progressive music is. And, you know, I've heard other people on your podcast say things like, well, it's people that push the genre forward and things like that. And it's, it's odd time signatures and it's long song formats. And it's just, you know, all about changing things. But I think the sort of the ethos of prog it, pushing it forward, that's the main part for me. It's not really about the sonics. It's more about the attitude of what progressive music is. You know, it's kind of like punk rock. It's like, you know, punk rock has a sound, it's fast, it's aggressive, but what punk rock really is, is about rebellion and that kind of thing. Like it's an attitude, you know, and I'd like to see more people in like the progressive worlds just push things forward and try new things, you know, cause like, I feel like all of this DNA is very low hanging fruit at this point. If you have a long song and you know, there's an odd time signature in it, all of a sudden you can call yourself prog and it's like, I guess so, but is that really in the spirit of prog, you know? Mm. And I would even make the argument that in, in pop music, like these days, there is a lot more progressive attitude, you know? Um, you've probably heard the term genre bending. Uh, if, you look at someone, if you look at someone like Billie Eilish, for example, I couldn't think of a more perfect example of a progressive artist, like someone that's really changing things up every single time she does it, you know? 
And I know that's like not what we're talking about here, really. But, you know, but anyway, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> but you chose the, this the re- album because. Yeah, because of that, I think like um, un- under like I just looked up the genres for this um, album right now and it's listed as uh, Christian metal because they were a Christian metal band before then. And it's a metalcore, post-metal, post-hardcore and emo. That's what it's been labeled as for Wikipedia. And I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> <laughs> Like, tell him. <laughs> like the tone of the album and the sonics yeah cool it's a metalcore album i'm i'm fine with that but they really did something different with this album and i'm so proud of them for doing it like that's all i can say like the previous album before this um which was called they're only chasing safety uh had so many like radio hits on it like they were really traditional song format yeah, it was kind of screamo in the verses and kind of sing, singing in the, in the choruses and things like that. But they had an opportunity to sort of like go so deep with that and just become a massive radio band. And instead of doing that, they just went, they didn't just go in the opposite direction. They jumped off the cliff and into the ocean. <laughs> like this album is just incredible. And I need people to hear it. I need people to know why it's so different and... Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I've just never, I've never forgotten about it since the first time I heard it. And I, I'm just stoked. Cool. So where does this fall in, in their um, discography? I'm trying to imagine it. Cause what's that one song that everyone knows about like red? I'm literally looking it up on Spotify right now. Uh, it's called a boy brushed in red. Yeah. I think, I think like... something, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the only one. Can I, you feel I your heartbeat racing? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. So where does, where does this album fall? It's the fifth studio album that they did which is, it's kind of strange, I think, because, you know, normally I think after about two or three, you really do your kind of different album or the album that's going to solidify you. But yeah, it's the fifth one in their discography and they really just took a chance and did something crazy. And yeah, it's awesome. I'd be interested to hear what the fans thought as well, because, you know, usually when bands like jump off the cliff and they do something completely different, everyone's like, why would you do that? You were so good. Or like, we really like this direction. Now you've just thrown everything away and done something different. What was the, yeah. do you know what the fans were like with this one? I just read it on here. It was, it's the best, it's the most well-received album from them, like pretty much in their whole discography. I mean, wow. um, I know that they had some time off and came back with a couple of new albums recently. So I can't, I can't speak for those, but um, yeah, it did so many amazing things for this band and really elevated them. And I just wish more bands would do that. Just like really change it up, you know, because it, it is a risk ultimately to do that. And this is a band that was on a label and they had financing and, you know, it's like they had all the support in the world and they could have just jumped into the radio world and they just decided not to, but it was a risk that paid off and they've done so well. And it's like, that's ultimately like, that's what I want to do. I want to make something that's really different and, you know, move a genre forward. And I think that's what they've done. Nice. Nice. Do you remember the first time you listened to it? I do actually. Um, there was a, one of the singles, I think it's the first, uh, I, can't, I don't know what the track listing is. Um, there's a song called Riding on the Walls, which I think had a video out. It's the, the vid- I don't know if you've seen the video. It's the weird one and they're in a house and they're playing yes. in the basement and there's all this weird stuff going on. Yes. I have seen that. Okay, I know that song, but I don't know anything else. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the introduction to it for me, definitely. And then it was actually Mark again. He saw that I liked that song and he bought me this this album for my birthday, my 18th birthday. And there's no way he could have known that I was going to like the rest of it. And maybe he just didn't know what to get me or something. 
but I don't think he realizes how important that present was. <laughs> like it completely like changed my life. And I still think about it all the time. I still listen to it all the time. And yeah, I, so I think, yeah, I was about 18 and I just listened to it nonstop. It's a great album. Isn't that crazy how like, it's all just chance. It's literally all just chance. Someone gives you an album, you have no clue, changes your life. Like how the yeah. heck does that work? <laughs> that just astounds me sometimes. Just like right place, right time, something, something in the air, something magical. Yeah, literally. Ah, well, tell me about the tracks itself. Like, is there one that stands out to you in particular, or something that you really like that they do? I guess as a guitarist, you'd be like, mm, love that riff. But what should we look out for as well? The opening track, which is a song called "In Regards to Myself," is one of the craziest pieces of music I've ever heard. And it's such a good opener as well. Like it starts off with this. I think it, I think the actual sound effect they used is a, it's the sound of like an old projector and it's like winding up. So it starts, it's excel, it accelerates. Like it starts off slow and then it ticks all the way up and it gets really fast. And it just really gets you pumped really fast. But that song is great because, and it's a really good example of why I love the entire album is that the song doesn't have any repeating parts in it. Like I literally listened to it today and it's like one section and then two section and they lead into each other. Like it flows. And then it's just section three, section four. And there are certain guitar things that happen that kind of tie it all together. And you don't really, you don't think you're listening to a fifth section of something you've never heard before. And then before you know it, the song finishes and you're just like, what, what the hell did I just listen to? <laughs> And it's so strange to, to analyze it because nobody really does that. You know, we have these very formulaic structures these days. You've got a verse and then a chorus and another verse and another chorus, go to a bridge, come back for a chorus. Oh, I'll do another chorus at the end. Like these are things we know and they just don't do that. They're just like, hey, here's five things that we think work really well. Here's the order they should go in. And it just has a definite start and a definite end, but it's the most unorthodox arrangement ever. And in sort of preparing for this, I, I went back and listened to it a few times and it's not even just that song. It's like many, many of the songs on the album do that. And it's just so wild. Like that's the reason I love this album so much. It's like, they just have such unconventional song formats. I wonder if it was their most like critically acclaimed or most well-received album, obviously they would have played it live. I think that's a really interesting live way to portray something. Is that the right way to say that? But, you know, usually like you get the crowd into it, you get the choruses, you know, you get the crowd involvement and then you get a song like that or songs like that. You're just sort of relying on them knowing the words and being able to join in when they can. Bold. Yeah. It's very bold. I haven't seen them live yet. It's a like one of the biggest regrets of my whole life as I haven't <laughs> gone to a live show. But the next time they're in Australia, I'm definitely... Wait, they were here recently, weren't they? Didn't they play Full Tilt? Was that... Was that did they happen? Did that happen? Was that under? No, no. The Full Tilt um, International one was cancelled. Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes, they were here a couple years ago for, uh, at least in Brisbane, for this Amity Affliction show they put on. I did see them then. They were good. I'm sure they're coming back. Mm, cool. Hope so. They have to. Under Earth, come back. Come back, please. Let's post this to their socials. <laughs> <Come>. <laughs> Come and meet no. me. <laughs> Your biggest fan. Oh, well, and I've, I've said this like many, many times before in other interviews as well. 
but it's always interesting to hear other people's takes in that you know you listen to an album you're 18 you fall in love with it it's so 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 good and at least for me anyway when I was a teenager you know I forget about albums then I come back and I'm like I totally forgot about this still know all the words you know oh can't believe you know I'll go back to my emo phase again or my indie rock phase or whatever did you ever rediscover it and like enjoy it again or it was just always there I have never forgotten about this album which I think is why it's so important to me like I listen to it several times a year I'll put it on but I gotta say being on this podcast like I went back and listened to it obviously I just want to give you a compliment and actually say like that the whole concept of this podcast is really great and it's so it's it's so cool to like share all this music but the reason it was it was cool is because I love this album sure but I've never had to articulate to someone why I like it and in going back and listening to it I realized why I like it. <laughs> like I could articulate, you know, because we do that with yeah. music music that we like. We just say that we like it, but we don't really think about why. And I've always been really opinionated about music, but that's an album that I've always just sort of accepted. I like it. That's cool. I don't need any more than that. But now I developed a new appreciation literally in the last two days for this album. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's it's... What you're saying is very true. Like if someone put me on the other end and were like, what's your favorite album? I'd be like, first of all, I need time to prep that. And second of all, yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's just good. No, but I think for you having like a background in music and actually playing music, you've got the words to express it in a certain way. And I think listeners mm. have their own version of expressing themselves as well. So it's good to get both, you know, both views sort of thing. Yeah. It's fun to talk to another musician about that kind of thing because we, we can articulate. And then someone who doesn't play music, they might just go like, oh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it came out, what year did you say? I found it in 2007, but it came out in 2006. Nice. How many years is that? More than 10. Really a decade old, decade old. I'm not the maths person. I'm the English English major person, FYI. But... um. <laughs> More than 10, less than 20. (laughs) Yes, great. We'll go with that. Somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, If it stood up for, I guess, that many years, do you reckon it will stand up in the future? Yeah, definitely. It's not an album that I think has aged poorly for a couple of reasons. A, it's so different than anything else I've ever heard. So it's like, I haven't heard another band try to rip them off, really. Like maybe... Maybe, maybe sort of sonically, like there are a lot of metalcore bands out there, but no one's ever tried to write an album like that again that I've that I found anyway. Maybe they have, I'm not sure, but it's just so unique that I think it stands on its own in a really good way. And also the, the mix uh, in particular is just, it's really huge sounding and it's a really great mix. It's not a mix that is aged poorly, like it's just really good. And I think um, that that goes a long way for me personally, like... Like I was never someone that was into Metallica, for example, because if you go back and listen to a lot of classic stuff from the 80s, the mixing is really poor on it. Like it sounds, I wouldn't say it's poor, but like it's, you know, it's not up to today's standards. It doesn't have this sort of full, it doesn't have this full spectrum of sound and warmth and all that kind of thing. Like it sounds like it's from the 80s, basically. But this, you know, this album is 10 to 15, something like that years old, and it still sounds great. So awesome. Amazing. 10 years time, they'll be discovering this album, be like, damn, what happened to Under Oath? And they'll probably still be around, still kicking. <laughs> probably. <I would> hope. <laughs> well, I'm sure you know this question is coming, 
Um, but what are my listening notes? How should I listen to it? What do you recommend? Whatever you do, don't light any candles. Don't run a bath. Don't put your feet up on the couch. Uh, you know, I, I've heard people say that on your podcast before, like, you know, get nice and re- nice and relaxed and focus and really give it some time and all that kind of stuff. Don't do any of that. You, you've got to be moving. Like I promise, like go to the gym, go for a run, get in your car and go on the highway and just speed as fast as you can. Like there are two songs in particular that just like the opening track in regards to myself, it's like, you can't not move your body when this thing kicks off. Like it's, it's just a wall of energy. And then there's another track. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, oh, it's track eight. It's a song called Moving for the Sake of Motion, which is a good title because that's exactly what yeah. happens to you. <laughs> if anyone's heard this, heard the album before, it's the one that's like, like, it's just, oh my God. Like as soon as it kicks in, you just have to get up and you run around and like just go crazy. So yeah, be moving, be ready for it because it's going to motivate you and it's going to get you places. Nice. Oh, I like it. I actually haven't been to the gym yet for this season. So now you can, now you've got an excuse. Perfect. Well, do you have anything else to add about the album before we wrap it up? Anything, any burning words? Any burning words? You know, I think, um, so the album's called Define the Great Line. And I think that's a really nice sentiment, I think. And it, and it's a really good synopsis, I would say, for what the whole album is kind of like. Like I've mentioned probably a couple of times that it's it's just so unique and it, it's different for them and it's different for everyone. And it's really unapologetic. They had a vision and they executed it and that's amazing. And I think people can take that as advice. Other musicians out there, other bands, I think that's a really good thing to have in the back of your mind when you're next writing music. Don't be afraid to be different and don't be afraid to just write the music that you really want to write. And, you know, it, it's easy to try and slip into these like, pop music pockets and follow trends and do all that kind of thing. But screw that. (laughs) Do your own own thing. (laughs) I love it. Oh, well, there we have. Oh, I didn't say it. Sorry. Amazing. That sounded not genuine then. I'll fix it (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) there we have it. The one prog album that Michael Tronson thinks that you and I should listen to is Define the Great Line by Underoath. Michael, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view. Wisdom. Do I sound like I have wisdom? That's amazing. Of course. (laughs) Oh, great. Thank you so much, Ebony, for inviting me on here. It was a pleasure. I'm just going to write it down before I forget real quick. Go for it. Define the day. Uh, Define the great line. Oh, that was way off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Define the great line by Under Oath.